managing self-care as a PTSD wife. Come on in and let's talk about it. My name is Leah Huggins. I'm a wife, a mother, and a proud U.S. Navy veteran. After two tours to Iraq, my husband was diagnosed with PTSD. My world spiraled out of control as fear, anxiety, doubt, and depression took over. I gave my life to Christ, took on a new mindset, and let go of the negativity of my past. I now help wives to find healing, encouragement, and strategy to overcome the effects of PTSD on their daily lives and in their marriage. So come on in and let's talk about it. Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. This is the show where we empower women to support their spouses through PTSD without losing themselves in the process. I'm your host, Coach Leah, and I'm so happy that you joined us today. So today we're going to be talking about a hot button topic, okay? It is self-care. Everybody these days are talking about self-care. It is important to take care of yourself, especially in these days in time where there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of suicides, there's a lot of anxiety and all kinds of stuff that's going on. Um, And so it's especially important. They want to focus a lot of attention on taking care of yourself and and being present uh, for yourself and for your family so that you can be the best person that you can be. You want to be the best you that you can be so that you can give out to the world. But you have to do that first by taking care of yourself. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So I wanted to touch on this subject because as wives, as mothers, as daughters, um, as employees or an employer, even if you're active in some sort of social organization, no matter who you are, what you do, we're pulled in every direction. Someone is always needing something from us. There's always a fire that we have to put out and we end up giving so much of ourselves to the world and to our families that there's little left for us, especially when we need it. We are not machines. We weren't created to be machines. You know, you can't keep running, especially if you're running on empty and not taking time to replenish yourself. Having a spouse with PTSD often means that they become the focus, um, especially if they're the ones that are having an episode, you know, they can require a whole lot of your attention and your energy. And this can be draining. It can put a strain on your relationship and your emotional health. If you have children, they are going to require even more of your time and your energy. So family, of course, is always going to be your first ministry, but you have to remember, you can't save the world, super mom. (laughs) We are super moms, but in order to save the world, you got to make sure that home is good first. You can't save the world if your ship is on fire and sinking. All right. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) So how do you know when you have gone lacking on your self-care? So there's a few signs that we're going to go over um, today. All right. The first thing you need to know is that your mind and your body work together and and your soul. You might as well say your soul. We might as well throw that in there, too. Your mind, your body and your soul, they are connected. So what affects one is going to affect the other. Essentially, what happens 
on the inside, it can end up showing up on the outside and even the other way around. If you run your body down, you can run your mind down as well. Your mind, your body, and your spirit, your soul, they are all connected. So what you want to do is to make sure that you have all three in alignment where they are balanced and they are working together in unison to build you up instead of to break you down. If you let your body wear out, that's going to play with your emotions and your emotions are going to affect what happens in your soul. Your soul is a part of your emotions, your mind, your will, and your intellect. Those emotions are governed by how you feel. That's a part of it. Your emotions are governed by how you feel. So if you're in a state where you're tired, uh, you may be cranky. You may be short-tempered uh, with, with not just your family and those around you, but the people that you need to serve. <laughs> um, you have to be careful not to go and give your all um, to everything outside of the house and not take care of what's inside of the house. And even that, you have to be careful not to give your all to what's going on inside of the house and not to yourself. It's a, it's a cycle. You have to be careful of what you do and how you manage your body. If your environment is toxic, that can affect your emotional health, which can in turn affect your physical body. You'll find that you begin to get sick more frequently if you're not getting proper rest and exercise and nutrition, your body can't build up what it needs in order to fight off the disease or sickness off of your body. Physically, you're going to feel drained. You're going to feel depleted. And as things get worse, your whole body will start feeling the effects. You'll get headaches. You may have high blood pressure. There may be weight loss or weight gain. You may have stomach issues. A lot of times, even if you're technically not sick, you just still don't feel good. I've had that before where I'm just not feeling good. That can lead you to wanting to be left alone in isolation. Isolation is what you want to avoid because it can lead to depression and it just makes things worse for you. Now, I told y'all over the holidays that I tested positive for COVID and I went through this same thing. You know, first I got sick and I had to isolate myself because, of course, you don't want to get anybody else sick. And long story short, the isolation led me to having these crazy thoughts and I was getting memories and, and mad because of the memories, <laughs> the things that, you know, happened in the past. And before I knew it, I was in this funk. I was depressed. And there are a few days that I just spent crying just for no reason. I was so upset. It turns out there was actually a few people that I needed to apologize to when it was all over because of how I acted <laughs> when they were just trying to check on me. So another way that you know that you have not been taking care of yourself is when you begin to feel anxious or stressed or overwhelmed by what's going on in your life. And we all know life is going to have you feeling this way anyway at times. The thing to know, though, is that although it's common, the difference comes in the way you react to those emotions. If you're feeling overwhelmed, it could be a sign that there's something out of order in your life. You know, maybe you're giving a priority to something that you should not be giving priority to. So when you're stressed out, the real problem is your focus. 
You may be choosing to focus on something negative and not seeing the possibility that things are going to get better. You could be operating out of fear based on what you see right now. Or you may be having trouble finishing one thing because you're multitasking and your attention is pulled in so many different places that you can't get anything done. I know all about that. (laughs) It's all about what you focus on. There's a story in the Bible where Moses is visited by his father-in-law and he observes how Moses is handling business, how he's doing business and handling all the things that he has to do. And his father-in-law tells him, I think his name was Jethro. Jethro tells him that everything that he's doing, he's trying to do it himself. And that's what the problem is. So what he needed to do was to delegate some of those responsibilities that he had to others that are already equipped to handle them. And that way he can relieve himself of some of the stress and the overwhelming responsibility of his duty. This was such an important lesson to me because I struggle with wanting to do everything myself. You know, maybe it's a control issue of some kind, (laughs) maybe, um, You know, maybe it's about having a false sense of responsibility and feeling like, you know, I have to do it all myself. That's totally me. I just feel like it's better for me to go on in and do it myself. And that way I know it's done and it's done right. (laughs) So the problem is, though, that I am stretched so thin, you know, that I start a bunch of stuff and then either I don't finish it or it takes me forever to finish it when I could have just easily gotten somebody to help me out with it. You know, I could have showed them how to do what needed to be done. Um, But, you know, that's not how I do. (laughs) That's not how I do things. I need to get better. Help me, Lord. So here's an example. I don't want to go to work all day and then come home and have to clean up the house and cook dinner too. If you want to see a fight, (laughs) let one of my kids call me and say, you know, I know you're working, but I just want to know what's for dinner. Okay. First of all, those are fighting words. (laughs) My kids are all 18 and over and they know how to cook for themselves. Now they got a refrigerator full of food that has to be cooked, but they don't want to do it because it's not a hot pocket or something they could throw in the microwave. You know, that's, you you better learn how to all the stuff out and cook it for yourself. They know how to do that. It's just a matter of wanting to do it. (laughs) So they want me to do it. So anyway, y'all got me worked up. You know, you got my pressure going. (laughs) The point was, is that it's better to delegate and get the help that you need to avoid stressing and, and being overwhelmed. You know, I always say, you can be every woman like Whitney Houston and Shaka Khan. <laughs> you can have it all. You can do all things. You just can't do them all at the same time. You have to pace yourself. You got to prioritize your time. You got to get rid of clutter. You know, I used to think that was something that my mom used to say just to get me to clean up my room. But what I've come to realize is that if your environment is organized and neatly put together, then you actually feel a lot better. You know, it's like an instant mental pick me up (laughs) outside of that. You know, for me, it actually helps with the flow of creativity. I find that I am more creative in a space uh, where I don't have to be distracted by clutter. So that's important. Go clean your house. (laughs) So as I mentioned before, sometimes, uh, especially when you're dealing with PTSD, you may be dealing with a toxic or a hostile environment. 
Now, here's the truth. You can't always change your environment, but you can change how you react to your environment. Even if your environment is not hostile, it can still be stressful. If you work in a fast-paced environment and you're fighting to meet deadlines or you have to produce a certain amount of of work, um, a certain amount of output, um, being in that type of environment can be stressful and it can have a negative effect on you. And then if you have to go home and deal with the issues in your house, you know, with your family, that can be a lot on a person. That can be too much. So one of the things that I've done for myself is to create a mom cave. (laughs) You heard him say like a, a she shed. You know, I like to call it my me room. It is the one place that I can go to. And it's, you know, it's sort of a refuge. It helps me to get away from all the craziness that's going on in my house. You know, my me room has a TV. It's got my books. Uh, for when I want to read or when I want to study. I can go in there and play my music and relax and just chill out. You know, I I can just be to myself. It's one of those places where I can be alone. The family knows, oh, mom's in her me room. Okay, we're not going to come in there. Except for my daughter. She she has no sense of personal space when it comes to me. (laughs) I don't know what that is. That's That's my buddy though. Um, But yeah, it's a place where um, I can just go in and I can escape, you know, and it's not it's not that you're escaping reality. It's just that you need a place to go where you can put your mind at rest. So there's a story in Mark chapter six about how the apostles had been out ministering all day and they came to Jesus and they were excited and they were telling him about everything they had done. And Jesus realized they had been so busy working and helping the people that they didn't even have time to eat. All right. So they were so busy helping everyone else that they ended up, you know, neglecting their own needs. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Can I get an amen? Amen. We we in the church today. All right. (laughs) So he told them in verse 31 of that same scripture It says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And the Bible says that he took them to a solitary place. Everybody needs a me room. If your house is not set up to where you can have a me room, use your car. You can go to the park. Now, down here we have beaches, but you can go and sit by water. Um, It can be, you know, a lake or a pond, something like that. I can remember when I was little, my mom would take uh, my sister and I to the duck pond um, and we would bring a loaf of bread or maybe two loaves of bread and we would feed the ducks. And it was so much fun. And it wasn't until later that I realized she wasn't just doing this because it was, you know, it was good fun for us. It was cheap. It was inexpensive (laughs) entertainment for us, but it also was a quiet place where she can go and think things out and she can clear her mind. Um, Another thing that she did was that she took walks around that duck pond. She would walk a couple laps and I would play in the playground, which is right there off to the side of the duck pond. So she could see me no matter where she was. Um, And she would go and take a couple laps around the duck pond. 
Um, and that walk would help her to clear her mind as well. She could talk to Jesus while she was going around there, maybe praying and just taking a moment to herself, which was so needed. She was walking for her mental health as well as her physical health. So you got to find a place that you can go where you can find your peace and you can find your quiet You know, that place where you can seek the presence of God to refresh you and to replenish you, where he can pour into you so that you can go out and you can pour out into those that need you. Now, any changes that you make in life, they start with a thought. Change begins in your mind and you have to make up in your mind that you want things to change and that you want them to be different than they are right now. So it helps to have a vision in mind of, you know, how you want to see yourself in the future. Change has to happen on purpose. You know, you can't just sit there and ask God to change things for you. (laughs) What's the word say? Faith without works is what? Dead. It doesn't make sense to believe for it if you don't have enough faith to take the action to do the thing that you need to do in order to get the change that you desire. We got to get out of that lazy faith. (laughs) Lazy faith is what I call it. You can find peace in the middle of a storm. Um, I'm actually going to read an excerpt from my book, The PTSD Wives Handbook. Um, And what it says is that peace is not the absence of trouble. It is the ability to find the quiet in the midst of the storm. Your faith will give you peace that goes beyond what you can understand. This means that although everything around you may feel like all hell is breaking loose, peace will keep you calm to help you better manage your emotions, your behavior, and your reaction to your circumstances. Did you know that 70% of marriages dealing with PTSD end in divorce and the rates of abuse and violence are much higher in families that are dealing with PTSD? Hostility and conflict can tear a family apart. The problem is, is that families are not equipped to handle the changes and the challenges that are brought on by the effects of trauma. In my book, The PTSD Wives Handbook, I uncover the hidden wounds of PTSD and I give you the tools that you need to let go of emotional baggage and find inner peace, self-love and personal strength. I'm going to show you how to turn your pain into a renewed passion for a better quality of life for yourself for your spouse, and for your family. PTSD affects the whole house, but your family doesn't have to be destroyed because of it. Get your copy of the PTSD Wives Handbook today. Click on the link in the show notes to order. Now, back to the show. So you have to learn how to deal with your stress. You you can't run from your issues. You have to face them head on. But my advice is don't do it alone. The word says that we should cast our cares. And that means our fears, our doubts, our anxiety, everything. We should cast our cares on him because he cares for us. But what does that really mean? What does that mean to cast your cares on him? How do we do that? Spending time with God is going to be the best form of self-care. First, you have to be real with God. You got to tell him what's happening. You got to tell him how you feel. And I know that, you know, especially if you're just starting out, you may find it kind of (laughs) weird. Some of you may find the concept kind of weird of talking to God um, because it's not something that you're used to doing. 
Um, like, let's be honest, when you first start out, it may feel weird. Like you're talking to yourself or, you know, you may struggle with what to say or how to get the words out. And I used to struggle with this, but one day I realized that by journaling what I'm feeling that I was actually writing my prayers, but in a letter format. (laughs) So what I started doing was just adding dear God at the top of my entry. (laughs) So, um, I looked at it like I was writing a letter to a friend or to a loved one. And it actually helped me to express myself a little bit better and get all my thoughts and feelings out. And right now my journaling has gotten a little more advanced and I'm able to write down my prayers. Um, and then I also write what I hear from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's an answer to a question I may have had in prayer, or sometimes it's something else that, you know, I I, I may not know what it means right now, or maybe it's something for the future, but I write it down simply because I heard it from the Holy Spirit. And if I, it's not something that I can use right now, then it's something that I can use later. And I can, I can always come back to it since I have it written in my journal. So it's important record those conversations that you have in the spirit. Writing is the best way for me. Um, and hopefully this helps you writing is the best way for me to get out all my emotions. Cause when I'm talking, I'm thinking about what I'm saying and the words that I'm saying and hoping that they make sense. But when I'm writing, I have a little bit more time to space out what it is that I'm trying to say. I have a little bit more time um, to be thoughtful and to really say and express what I'm feeling. Another tool that you need, you want to be sure that you look up scriptures on the things that you're dealing with. I always say you can go to Google and get you some help uh, with whatever it is uh, that you're going through. You always search the verse in Google. Um, I like to go and type in the search bar scripture on, let's say depression is what I'm going through. Type in scriptures about depression and it's going to pull up a whole list of scriptures or to give you some sites that are talking about scriptures that have to do with depression. So that's a way for you to look at the scripture, search the scripture for yourself. Another thing that you can do is to also get a book, go like to your local bookstore or look on Amazon, look for books that deal with the topic that it is that you're going through um, and look for books that deal with it from a Christian point of view, from a biblical perspective. That way it kind of helps with your learning because you don't know everything. (laughs) We don't know everything. And sometimes it's good to get the guide of someone else that's kind of going through that situation. Uh, It's good to have that guide where they're kind of leading you through the scriptures to show you how to navigate your way through the scriptures and, and what the Bible actually has to say about that particular subject. And still take your time to research those Bible verses, go with the Bible verses that they have in the book, look them up yourselves. If they don't, if they just have the scripture there, look the verse up yourself, maybe look at different translations to see how you can relate it to your life. Cause sometimes a different translation will bring out more to the scripture that you didn't realize was there. And it helps to increase your understanding, your knowledge about, about what that particular word has to say. So I'm all for that. Find you some scriptures uh, that will help. Find you a book that will help and point you in the direction. All roads lead to God. You have to remember that some things are going to take time to fix. Some things are, are going to take a little bit longer for you to come out of because sometimes we get in the habit of things or we've done things for so long that we get used to being right there. It's important to remember to bite it off in little chunks. 
change what you have the power to change right now at this moment in your life. You want to start with that. If you're feeling depressed, get up, start there, (laughs) open the curtains and let some light in, you know, go take a shower, get cleaned up, fix yourself up, do your makeup. Now, unless you like me, I'm queen of the chapstick. I don't really do makeup too much, but I'm queen of the chapstick and queen of the lip gloss. So whatever it is, get pretty in yourself, (laughs) style your hair, do your hair up. And you can even put on some cute earrings and, you know, just get up and get moving, get out, get a change in scenery. You can go for a walk to help clear your mind, just like I was talking about before, like my mom. And you can pray and work off some of the tension that's in your body. That fresh air is going to help to energize you. Sometimes it, it may be better to go for convenience. You know, don't go to work all day and then come home and cook a full course meal. <laughs> takeout is all right. It's okay to order takeout sometimes, you know, or maybe have something delivered or get a frozen lasagna from the grocery store and grab a bag of salad with that. You know, that's instant meal right there. You know, just take some of the pressure off of yourself. I actually have a friend that hired a maid service to do her cleaning for her. Um, And, you know, that's not her, you know, trying to flex. That's really her making a smart decision to get some help where she can get it. And then that way, by taking those chores off of her schedule, she frees up time to spend with her family or doing things that feed her spirit. Now, if you're military and you have children, take advantage of all that the military has to offer. I've always said that the military is great for families. They have programs for your children and it's not just the daycare, but take advantage of the daycare too. They have youth programs. They have trips and stuff that they go on through these youth programs. They have after school programs and even camp in the summertime. So it's good for them to get out and they need a break from you just as much as you need a break from them. Now, my favorite self-care tip is to find a creative outlet. Find something that you like to do, like painting or writing or drawing or singing, any kind of expression that you like to do. Um, Creativity has been said to be a form of therapy. Another thing is I'm going back to my mom a lot. (laughs) My mom used to love to work in the yard. She would go out there and she can spend all day in the yard. And she used to say it was so therapeutic and I never understood it. (laughs) Now I do as an adult, but she actually enjoyed spending time out there. She would go and rake leaves all day. And then when she finished raking the leaves, she would tell me to come out there and go pick them up. Now, I hate yard work. I hate being outside. Don't like the pollen. I can't. I got allergies. I'm sneezing all the time. <laughs> you got to do what works for you. That's my point. The the outside uh, working in the yard, that's not my therapy. That therapy does not work for me. <laughs> so you have to find what works for you. And for her, it was gardening. Now, for me, put me somewhere where I'm reading, I'm writing, um, I'm singing. I do love singing. So I actually do that every Sunday as I'm on the praise team at church. And it's it's amazing. I, I love it because, number one, it keeps me accountable um, at church. And then number two, it actually is therapy. It's It is a release for me. Um, to be able to go up there and I sing out, I sing out of emotion because um, I am in a relationship with God. It is a relationship that we have. And so I sing out of my love for him and I sing when things are bad. I think I sing the best (laughs) 
when I'm going through something. I have the biggest breakthrough when I'm when I'm really going through something. And um it's just it is therapy. It is um it is something that actually does help me out a lot. So you have to find something that you like to do, you know, um, and like I say, it's going to help you to relieve frustration. Um, it may even help you to solve a problem that you're having. You may find a solution while you're doing that, that creative expression, whatever that that therapy is for you. Um, also, when you're doing these things, you may find someone that um, you bond with, that you connect with, you know, so you may form friendships. And that is actually another tool of self-care. I cannot stress enough. Your circle is so important. It matters who you have around you. All right. So first of all, no man, no woman is an island. We were made to be connected. We were made for connection and to interact with each other. So that's why it's so important that you have to avoid isolation because if that keeps you from connecting with the world and we were created to be a solution to someone's problem. We were created to hold each other up. Uh, We were created to interact with each other. So having been created with purpose, we're already equipped with these gifts for the things that we're supposed to do in life. And when we connect with others, the things that pique our interest may pique the interest of someone else who may have a call that could be connected to yours. They might be the person that's there, you know, that God puts in place to help you or maybe to give you inspiration. You never know who God is going to place in your life. The Bible says that a friend loves at all time, but a brother is born through adversity. So it's important who you have in your circle. So another thing that the Bible says is that iron sharpens iron. So this means that the right person can make you better. All right. And you know what? Let me give you one more verse. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine through 12 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Well, that's actually just nine and 10, not 12. (laughs) There's nine and 10. Um, But you get the point. You know, my point is that who you have around you is important. Who you have speaking in your ear is important. Who has your attention and your affection can often determine your direction. So you got to make sure that you surround yourself with the right people who are going to encourage you and they're going to cheer you on and they're going to be there to help you in your time of need. And guess what? You get to be that same person for them so that you can hold them up in their time of need. Now, that is one thing that uh, I have struggled with um, in my past. And I I would say it's something that God is working with me on right now. Um, I was always asking God to give me friends and people that he wanted to be in my life. Um, when I was crying from my depression, a lot of it was because I was feeling lonely. Like I had nobody. I had to I, I had to kind of hold people at arm's length um, because I wouldn't know how things were going to be in my house. I didn't want to be embarrassed by, you know, the behavior that was going on there. If, you know, my husband had an episode or if he was drinking heavily. And let me, having said that, <laughs> let me say this. 
most of the episodes came as a result of him binge drinking. So the alcohol, the alcohol, you know, it, it changed his demeanor and things would be really bad, you know, so he's worked his way through that and we don't have that issue as much anymore. And I'm, I'm really proud of him for the steps that he's been taking and the steps that, you know, he's taken in order to make himself better, you know, not just, not just for me, but for himself. So back to my point, I just kind of retreated to myself and I ended up making my kids my best friends, (laughs) which that can be a whole nother discussion because that can be unhealthy as well, too. Um, And so years down the road, you know, now that the boys have gone to college and my daughter started work and having a social life, you know, I would find myself crying every Saturday night. (laughs) I would be alone and crying. And it's not that anything was wrong. It was just I was in a place where I was depressed because I was lonely, you know, absolutely depressed. All I had to do was actually just pick up the phone and reach out to someone. But depression will have you so to the point where you actually feel like you're alone. You feel like nobody likes you. Nobody cares about you. And so it puts these thoughts and you have to be careful about those thoughts that the enemy whispers in your ear. And depression can make you vulnerable to an attack from the enemy. So you just have to guard yourself. Another thing that you can do uh, that's a practice of self-care is actually monitoring your intake. So it's not just your food and your drink, but you also want to monitor the things that you see and that you hear. Um, If you're feeling depressed, don't go turning on music that's sad and depressing. (laughs) You know, you want to find something happy to listen to. Don't watch things that are going to store up emotions that are going to cause more emotional harm or put more emotional stress on you. Um, I can remember in college, I was watching a movie with one of my roommates. The movie was Higher Learning. That was really good. Um, Now, at the end of the movie, there's actually a suicide scene. And as we got closer to the scene, my roommate, we, of course, we had already seen the movie, but she could not take the end of the movie. And as the scene got closer, she began crying and just kind of kind of freaked out, you know, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? And we ended up having to turn the movie off. And she explained that she had had a loved one that died by suicide, you know, and watching that movie, it just put, it put her back in that same place of the pain and and the hurt that she felt with that loss. And so that's why it's important to be mindful of your triggers. You have to know what sets you off. So, because with her, it just, it put her back. It was almost as if she was there, you know, back at that same place. So you just have to be mindful of what the things that you watch, the things that you hear, all the stuff that you take into your body, into your mind, you have to be careful. All right. So one thing I've learned is that music actually has a spirit. Why do I say that? (laughs) Why do I say that? Um, Because music can make you happy. It can make you sad. It triggers your emotions. Music can make you want to fight. It can make you want to make love. You just, you have to be careful with the things that you allow in your ear gates because it does more emotional damage than what you're aware of. It pulls on your emotional, it it pulls on your emotions. And so you just have to be careful with, with what you allow in your spirit. 
I had to learn how to monitor my social media intake as well. Lord, this is this is a big thing. <laughs> there is so much negativity um, and so many things that disturb me emotionally. They really bother me. Like I absolutely cannot stand to see people fighting. I, I hate it. I hate to see videos where people are fighting, especially if they women. Come on, man. I hate to see people fighting. Now, let me backtrack. I love a good professional boxing match where they in a ring with the glove. I want to see the black eye. I want to see blood. I want to see the bruises because that's a good professional fight. But seeing people actually fight like on the street, that's why I don't like, what is that? MMA? I can't stand MMA because it's too close to street fighting. But anyway, <laughs> my point is, I don't like to see people getting hurt. I can't take that foul, abusive language. I can't take negative energy. So I, I have to quickly scroll past all that foolishness because it really disturbs me. I'm getting upset just talking about it right now. So I, I, just, I just have to avoid it because of what it does to my spirit. The scary thing about social media is that it is so full of negative content and it's like they just push it further. They they just have more people. All this stuff like those fighting videos, you'll notice that there's a ton of people that have viewed it. They have a ton of views. They have a ton of likes. They have a ton of comments and everything that's on there. I just don't participate. <laughs> I just don't participate. If you don't like a video, don't say nothing. All right. Just scroll past it. <laughs> that's the best form of self-care right there. Just keep going past what you don't like and just leave it be. You have to know your triggers and you have to know how to avoid them. And you have to know how to deal with them when you're faced with them. So I call this protecting my peace. And that leads me to my next point, which is that self-care is going to require establishing boundaries and enforcing them. So although I understand that, you know, PTSD comes with some tense moments and maybe some heated discussions, I will not tolerate abuse of any kind. And I actually had to grow into doing this. I didn't know because it was so new <laughs> to me and I, I didn't know how to handle it. But what I had to learn is how to set boundaries. And once I learned how to set those boundaries, I had to learn how to enforce them and to keep enforcing them. You know, it, it wasn't easy at all, especially because we have two different personalities. You know, his personality is more aggressive than mine, which, you know, it's kind of hot until it's directed at me. <laughs> and then it's like, well, hold on. You know, I'm not a doormat. I'm not a garbage can for you to dump on me, you know, and I don't. And just because I don't plan on leaving, that is not a license to disrespect or abuse or mistreat me with your hands, with your words or anything else like that. You know, I want to be here, but I don't have to be. So you better treat me right now. <laughs> so. Um, I, I will say that I'm proud of the work that he's done, like I said, to better himself. Um, and he didn't do it for me. He did it for himself because he saw the, the effect that it was having on his life. And he's worked really hard to find ways to control his anger to, he thinks about his words, you know, before he says them. And, um, we, we're in a lot better place than we have been in the past. And that's the only reason why I share these stories with you. I think I've said this in a previous episode that I would not share anything 
um, just to bash my husband. It's never that. It's to explain where we've been, how we've overcame, and to inspire you that you can have that change as well, too. That everything is not what it seems in the moment, that there can be change and that things can get better. So big up to my husband. I'm proud of him. (laughs) Setting boundaries is the highest form of self-love. Boundaries, what they do is they establish your rules and they teach people how to treat you. And basically it's going to ensure that your relationship is going to be mutually respectful, that it will be supportive, and it's going to be a loving relationship. Now, last uh, but certainly not least, um, it's important for you to seek professional help for the things that you struggle with. Make sure that you speak with a counselor or a coach or a therapist or even a pastor who's able to help you navigate through your issues uh, or help you to achieve your personal goals uh, for your personal development. So make sure that if you need to, you definitely speak with someone um, on a professional level that is able to help you. So for today's coaching moment, um, I want to do something a little bit different. (laughs) I want you to be creative. I want you to use your imagination. And I'm going to ask you to have a conversation with your body. I know you're like, what, Leah? What what are you talking about? (laughs) I want you to have a conversation with your body. I want you to get your pen uh, and your your journal. And you're going to have a conversation with your body. Now, your body is going to tell you the story of what is going on with you. So remember, what's going on emotionally is going to show up in the physical. So what I want you to do is a self-assessment. All right. So like, for example, do you have headaches? Do you have knee pain? What about your back? Do you have problems with your feet? So what I want you to do is to make a list of all the physical problems that you have. Um, It can even be something as minor as a toothache. (laughs) All right. Once you've made your list, I want you to have a conversation with that body part and you're going to give that body part a voice. So here's kind of what it'll look like. Um, You're going to ask them how they got into this condition. And let's say, for instance, your issue is a headache. You ask your head, so head, how did this happen? How did we get here? And then you're going to record the conversation in writing, of course. So my head would answer me and it would say, well, you never get enough rest. You go to bed late and then you wake up early. Also, I know you love bacon, but you can't eat the whole pack by yourself, even if it was just a small pack. (laughs) It would also tell me that I'm under stress and some of my decisions have put more on me than I realize. And maybe what I would do is actually go into detail and ask, well, what decisions have I made that have put more on me than I realize? You just you want to ask those extra questions. Now, my knees, they may say that they're hurting and in pain because I'm putting too much weight on them. And I would ask, well, niece, why do you think there's so much weight on you? Why do you think there's so much pressure? And it would say, because you're not maintaining a healthy diet. You don't get enough exercise. And because you haven't planned and managed your time wisely, you do a lot of fast food and takeout and things that are not healthy for you. My knees would remind me that I used to be athletic, but over time I stopped moving and this has caused damage as well. 
So you want to try your best to go back and forth and, and, and get to the root of what the problem is. That's what you really want to do. You want to keep asking questions to get to the root of what the problem is. And then once you find out what the actual problem is, I want you to ask your body part, what can we do to make this better? Now, my head may suggest prioritizing your time. That may help. Maybe creating a schedule that you can stick to during the day to ensure that you get everything done. My head would also suggest that I should stop worrying about what people are going to think if I say no to them. And I should also stop taking on more than I can handle at one time. I think my knees and my head would both agree that better physical care would be best for me, like changing my diet and drinking more water and exercising. They would help in both areas for both my knees and my head. So once you get a list of all the things that you can do next, you want to ask yourself, what changes can I implement now? What can I start doing right now in this moment? So you're going to review your list and find out which of those things can you do right away. And then finally, I want you to write a plan out and put it somewhere that you can go back and look at it. I want you to be able to mark your progress and start crossing things off of the list once you complete them. And you can also leave space for the new things that you want to put on there because we always have room to improve. And you may even find something else, you know, after doing this exercise that you need to work on. And so you can add that to your list. So it may help to have an accountability partner. Um, someone that can encourage you while you're on this journey to better health and better emotional wealth. Um, having your husband as an accountability partner can actually bring you closer. It helps that you all are working towards the same goal. Maybe you can help him set goals for himself and you can work together. And that is going to help reduce stress in the relationship. Spending time together actually helps with your bonding. You may even get a date night or two out of it. It may even open up a, a place where you can have a discussion in a safe way where it's non-judgmental. It's just showing, you know, you're you're just able to talk to each other about the things that are going on and maybe the things that have caused some of the issues that you both have. So making your husband your accountability partner can also help to improve your relationship. So I just want to leave you with one final thought. Um, somebody actually said this to me and it made me look at things a lot different, you know. So when you're on an airplane and the masks fall from the ceiling, they tell you to put the mask on yourself first before you help anybody else. And they say this because if you're busy helping everybody else and you don't get what you need, then you can be rendered unconscious. And then you become incapable and everybody that's depending on you won't have what they need. So you got to take care of yourself because there are others out there that are depending on you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope there was something said that gives you a little bit of hope and lets you know that things can get better and they will get better. All right. I can't wait to talk to you all next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. In the meantime, you all be encouraged, be empowered, and be blessed. Peace, y'all.